are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. So I want you to repeat these words with me, okay? It's all about being free. There was no energy whatsoever in that right there. <laughs> Let's try again. It's all about being free. It's all about life. So as we move through these next several weeks during Lent in the Gospel of John, for John, it was all about life. Now, let me explain what I'm talking about. In chapter 20, verse 31, he says, after writing his Gospel, these things have been recorded so that you might believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you might have life in his name. The reason life was the main point for John was because life was the main point for Jesus. Jesus says it this way, the reason that I've come is that you might have life and have it abundantly. So do you understand that for Jesus, the reason he came to this earth was so you and I could live. Now here's what makes it interesting for people who are already followers of Jesus. Jesus says, the Father sent me, all right? And as the Father sent me, now I am sending you. So I don't know if you're hearing me or not, but just let me back up again. Jesus says, now the Father sent me so people could have life. And as the Father sent me, now I am sending you. So what we talk about every Sunday here is that we believe that God has called us to help people become more like Jesus and help people come to know Jesus. And so here's one of the values that we talk about often. We value, we value being with others. And when we say others, we mean people who are not yet followers of Jesus. So that's really, really important to us that you and I spend time with people who are not followers of Jesus. Now let me ask you something. You kind of got to look at me for this one, okay? Do you really value, is this really important to you, that you spend time with people who are not Christian? Is that something that's very, very, very important to you? Because it was very, very important to Jesus. In fact, here's what they said about Jesus. They said, it's like he is a, and it was not a compliment when they said it, it's like he's a friend of sinners. So, are you a friend of sinners? And is it really important to you that you spend time with people who are sinners? Is it important to you that you get to spend time with people who are not followers of Jesus. How many people like that do you spend time with? How many friends do you have that aren't Christians? See, what's easy for us in church world is that we just spend time with one another. And we do value being with one another. But to be a true follower of Christ, we would have to be like Jesus in that we spend time with people who aren't Christian. Okay? One of the practices that's very important to us is that we share our Jesus with other people. We talk a lot about how important it is that we share our faith. It's really important. We want to share Jesus with others. And the only strategy, the only strategy that we have talked about in doing that is this strategy right here. It's just living like this. With our arms open. Because Jesus lived his life with his arms open. Jesus made space and time for people. 
Where are you staying? And Jesus says, well, come and see. And these two guys went and they spent the whole day with Jesus. I'm going to read you a story about a guy whose name is Nicodemus who comes to Jesus and he wants to have a faith conversation. And Jesus pulls up a chair and says, Nicodemus, let you and I talk about faith. Next week, we'll talk about a very sinful woman that Jesus met at a well. Yet Jesus pulls up a chair and he sits down and he talks to her for a long time about her life. Jesus just lived like this. People who were blind showed up, people who were crippled, people who were sick. And Jesus just looked at him and said, come on. He lived his life in this culture of invitation. And if you and I choose during the season of Lent to practice in an extra effort this sacrificial life of living with our arms open... We would have to say at some point, today I'm not going to do what I want to do. Today I'm going to deny myself of my own preference. Because I had planned on doing this right now, but I see somebody and I need to open my arms to them. And so instead of doing what I want to do, I'm going to do what's important. I'm going to spend some time with them. And so it's a matter of just being invitational. It's a matter of saying to somebody, come on, come and spend some time with me. Come for a cup of coffee. Come for lunch. Come to my house. Come for dinner. Come and let's have a faith conversation. Come and let's get to know each other. Come and let's talk to each other. Come and let's invest in each other's lives. One point, you may even say, come with me to church. So here's what happens. I begin to dream, okay? And when I think about an army of us living this way as we move through Lent, and I think about this coming to a culmination on Easter Sunday, the one day of the year that people are most likely to respond to an invitation to church, I began to dream. And I began to wonder what would happen as we cultivate these relationships. And as we live with our arms open, not living in this way, not saying, okay, that person needs Jesus. I can kind of talk to them about Jesus, but I don't want really anything to do with them. I don't want them in my life. No, that's ingenuine. It's a matter of saying, come on, be a part of my life. And as we live in those relationships that God has already given us and the new ones that he will bring to us, what could happen on Easter Sunday? What if Easter Sunday 2017 was unlike any other Easter that we have experienced at Bethany First Church of the Nazarene? What if there were hundreds of people sitting beside you who did not know Jesus? It came because you lived like Jesus with your arms open. Wow. So I'm just going to be really frank with you, okay? You're going to get, you're going to get what's in here. You ready for it? So I'm coming into church this morning and, and I get a message that like half of the people who volunteer for us have called in sick. There's some kind of virus thing going around. I also know in my mind it's spring break week. And just a lot of families are traveling. It kind of takes a lot of our college students away that we depend on so much. They bring so much life to us. It's also time change Sunday and people just kind of roll over and say, not today. And so I'm kind of lamenting, kind of doing this thing of God. I am struggling here, okay? Because I feel like you've given me a word. And let me tell you, God came to me as he so beautifully does, and he just says, did you think that I didn't know who was going to be here today? Did you forget that I'm all-knowing when I gave you this word? 
I'm going to do today what I choose to do. And I'm going to change some people's hearts and the way we think about others. And so I'm just believing God this morning that you and I have the potential of leaving here different people. So let me take you to a story in the New Testament, okay? The book of John chapter 3. John chapter 3, and I'm going to start with verse 1. Because in this story, you find Jesus carving out time, space, room in his life to have a conversation with a man who comes to talk to him. His name is Nicodemus. And so Jesus here offers Nicodemus life. Are you ready? So here's how the story unfolds. Now, there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus. Do you know what a Pharisee was? Let me say it this way. A Pharisee's full-time job was being good. He dedicated his entire life to keeping God's law. Okay? So there was a man, a Pharisee named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. It would be like the Supreme Court for the Jews in that day. All right? So he's religious elite. He came to Jesus at night and said, and I love this because it kind of gives new meaning to Nick at night. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher who who has come from God. Because nobody could perform the signs that you're doing if God were not with him. Now, I think we're seeing a sincere heart here. Uh, There's something special about you. You perform miracles that you couldn't do on your own. And Jesus replies as if he doesn't hear Nicodemus. Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Wow. Can you imagine what these words would have sounded like to Nicodemus? He is a Pharisee. He is a member of the Sanhedrin. We're going to learn later that he is a rabbi, a teacher. So he is like a specialist on God's kingdom. And Jesus just looks him in the eye with boldness and says, nobody will ever even catch a glimpse of God's kingdom unless they are born again. Now, Nicodemus asked, and I think with laughter in his voice, how can someone be born when they are old? Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb and be born. What are you talking about? And Jesus answers, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water. And we assume he's talking about water baptism and of the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh but the Spirit gives birth to the Spirit. You should not be surprised at my sayings. You must be born again. And then he gives this awesome illustration. You ready for it? The wind blows wherever it pleases. And you can hear the sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked Jesus. You are Israel's teacher. You are a rabbi said Jesus, and you do not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify of what we have seen. But still, you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? 
And then Jesus says, no one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. He's speaking of himself. And then he gives this example. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, this was when a bunch of people got bitten by snakes and they were going to die. But Moses lifted up this snake on a pole. And if they looked at the snake on the pole, they would live. Jesus says, the Son of Man, rather, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. And he's talking about being lifted up on the cross. And everyone who looks to him will live. That everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. Now read these words with me and we're finished. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. This is God's word for us. Okay, got to ask you, how are we doing? How are we doing on spending time with others? How much like Jesus does our lives look? Are we committed to hanging out with people who don't know Jesus like Jesus committed to hanging out with people who are sinners? Twenty years ago, in the United States of America, 62% of Americans said they went to church frequently. This is only 20 years ago. I'm 35 now. I was 35 then. I'm 55 now. 20 years ago, 62% of Americans said we go to church frequently. Do you know how many people in America today say they go to church frequently? Just under 50%. So, like, what's going on in America? We're becoming more secularized. The graph is going the wrong direction. We are sliding backwards. And I think it's important that people who don't go to church, that we know what they say and think about us. I'm not saying they're right, but I think it's important to know what they think and say. Here's what they think and say. They say that people who go to church are judgmental. Especially about people who are homosexual. They say people who go to church are too political. They say people who go to church are too concerned about money. And people who go to church are too concerned about keeping rules. But what they don't say about us is that we spend a lot of time with them. I've been reading James Avery White, Generation Z. He writes about the generation following the millennials. And the most troubling thing that he said in his book is that 23% of American adults, now these are American adults, 23% of American adults, when asked about their religious identity, would answer none. You understand that's almost a fourth. 
If you're standing in line at Target tomorrow evening and there are four people in the line in front of you, one of those people would say, I have no religious identity whatsoever. I don't think about religion, period. James Avery White calls them the nuns, N-O-N-E apostrophe yes. They would claim to have none. And he wrote a book called The Rise of the Nuns. And he says that the nuns are increasing at a very rapid pace in American culture. But these are human beings. And what it means to be human is to be created in the image of God. And what it means to be human is to be able to relate to God. And 2,000 years ago, when Jesus looks into the eyes of this man named Nicodemus, and, and he says to him, Nicodemus, by believing in me, you might have life. That same life that he offered Nicodemus, he is offering to people today. You understand, Jesus was saying to Nicodemus, Nicodemus, humanity is broken. Something has gone very wrong because of sin. Israel needs a new life. Israel needs a new heart. People need a rebirth. And I'm here to rebuild people's lives. And I'm willing to start by giving you a brand new birth. So, so let's just take a minute and think about what Nicodemus hears from the mouth of Jesus. And what Jesus was passionate about sharing. Is, is there a baby back there that I could borrow? Are you, is somebody still there with a baby? Amy, are you around? No? Anybody have a baby I could borrow just for a minute? Just, I promise I'll give the baby back. You got one? Okay, come on down. That's great. So the reason I wanted uh, to hold a baby in my arms is because I think that it will um, help you a little bit to understand what Jesus is talking about with this phrase born again. Because everything we're going to talk about today hinges on this idea of a new birth. Okay? So tell me her name, Amy. And how old is Aisley? Five months. Okay, so Aisley, let me just hold you up so everybody can see you real quick, okay? Look how awesome Aisley is. Is this not great? Huh? So, how are you? You good? You got your passy? So, once in a while, I get to go to a hospital and I get to see a baby who has just been born. Um, I haven't done that as much since I've lived in Oklahoma City, frankly, because Judy Dixon always beat me to it. I'll be honest with you. But I love, to, I love babies and like holding Aisley is just awesome right now. I love, love little babies. Hey, how are you? So when Jesus says, Nicodemus, you must be born again. You got nothing to do with God's kingdom unless you are. Born is easy to translate. Born is a good match. But the word he uses in the Greek for again is anathen. Okay? Anathen can have more than one meaning. Like many of our words have more than one meaning. One of the meanings is this, to be born the first time. It's okay, there's your mommy. Just like Aisley was born the first time five months ago, okay? There's a second meaning. So, so when I go see a baby, I, I never say to Annette, hey, I saw this beautiful little uh, baby that was born anew. I say... I say newborn, okay? I kind of reverse words. 
The second meaning is this. It could mean either first time, the word anything can mean first time, or it can mean second time. That's nuts, isn't it? It's like saying number one can either mean one or it can mean two. I didn't write the ancient Greek, Greek language. I'm just translating it for you, okay? That, that's what it could mean. The third meaning it could mean is from above. So that's what Jesus is doing with Nicodemus. Nicodemus, I'm talking about a second birth. I'm talking about being born from above. Being born of the Spirit. And you got to hear me say this. For Nicodemus, what family you were born into meant everything. Do you remember when Matthew writes his gospel? Do you remember how he starts the gospel? What does he start the gospel with? The lineage of Jesus, right? And you start reading it and you're going, really? I mean, I've got to read all of this. Why was that important? Because you had to prove that the Messiah was a child of Abraham. Part of the nation of Israel. So, what Nicodemus has to do is prove that he is a child of Abraham. He is a part of this nation of Israel. God's chosen people. And Jesus is saying, Nicodemus, God is starting a new family. And it's not about biological birth. You know what it's about? It's about being born of the Spirit from above. Now, now think with me for just a moment. That means... That it's not about knowledge that you have. It's not about some ethical code that you have somehow made yourself live by. It's not about some kind of religious traditional system that you have submitted to. No, here's what it's about. It's about the Spirit of God invading your life, overwhelming you and transforming you and leaving you in a state to where you will never, ever be the same again. Oh, I was hoping you would get excited about that. So let me do it again. It's about the Spirit of God invading your life, overwhelming you and transforming you to where you will never, ever be the same again. Now we're getting there. Yeah. So you know what we've done? We've kind of reduced it to this. Uh, If you'll just say this prayer. That's not what I read here. If you'll just go through these steps, I'm here to tell you when I was 19 years old, I was born again. And everything changed in my life. The sky looked different. The world was different. My values changed. The way that I thought changed. I remember a 19-year-old, okay, driving down a road in my Thunderbird, and as I'm driving along feeling good about myself, there's this little lady who is pushing a little rickety grocery cart along, and my heart broke for her. Let me tell you something. I never had that happen before in my life. And I pull my car over and I say, Can I give you a ride? And she was like, thinking I'm nuts. Why are you trying to give me a ride? And I said, No, I just want to help you. I took little Miss Murray to her home that day and I went back time after time after time and she began attending our church and I began to go and sit and help her figure out doctor's bills and payments that she owed and everything else. I would help her read and understand her mail. God changed me. I would have never done that before. I'm a 19-year-old teenager. I'm doing what 19-year-old teenagers do, but all of a sudden 
God changed my life. The Spirit of God invaded my heart and transformed me and overwhelmed me, and I was never the same again. Now, what if, just what if, dream with me, what if it's that simple? What if it's that simple? What if it's simply about you and me becoming like Jesus and becoming passionate to help people understand that there is life they can have, that they can be set free from the bondage that the enemy has entrapped them with, that they can be free and they can have life and they can be born to this new life? What if it's that simple? What if it's about me and you becoming like Jesus and valuing spending time with people who don't yet know him. So, as a staff, we had a meeting recently where we asked the staff, before you come, we want you to identify two or three areas where you are seeing God move, okay? And we're going to write those on the board. So we come into staff meeting and we said, just let's begin. So we went around the table and we began to write. And it was amazing it was just amazing. We were seeing the Spirit of God move in so many places. I mean, like things that just bubbled to the top was like uh, the December offering. What a move of God. I mean, who could do that? I didn't believe that could happen. Or we talked about the Transform series that we started back in September. And so many of you brought so many people. And I'm looking at people today who came for the first time on September the 11th. And you grew in your faith. And those who brought you grew in their faith. We said, we saw God move. We talked about Christmas Eve services where people's lives are being transformed at Christmas Eve services. It was awesome to celebrate everything that we're seeing God do. And so Jesus says to Nicodemus, Nicodemus, the spirit is like, um, oh, what would I say? It's like, uh, it's like the wind, you know, the Oklahoma wind. Yeah. It blows you. You look into the atmosphere and you can't actually see the wind with your eyes, but you can see the trees bending over. You can see the car door get jerked out of your hand and slammed into the other guy's car door. Uh, You can see somebody's comb over just standing in the wind like that right there, you know. You can't actually look into the atmosphere and see the wind, but you can see the effects of the wind. And he says, Nicodemus, that's how the Spirit of God works. One day you walk into a staff meeting together and you say, where did you see God move? And we fill up a whiteboard. Nicodemus, the spirit is on the move and there's not a nation or a tribe or a system or an organization or anything else that can stop it. God is moving. So you got to dream with me. Okay, what if? What if you and I live with our arms open like we've never lived with our arms open over these next few weeks through Lent, sacrificially like Jesus lived, making time and space for others? And we come to Christmas Sunday morning, the one Sunday of the year that people are most likely to respond positively to an invitation to church. And what if sitting beside you are people who are not yet followers of Jesus? And what if on that day, the Spirit of God blows through and somebody's life will never be the same again. For God so loved the world, that means He's on our side. (laughs) I'm opening the family up to everybody, Nicodemus. 
that he himself came and died on a cross to bring us back to himself so we could have life and then share that life with everybody else. These are good words. Amen? Amen. So why don't we do this? You guys come up and why don't we just take a few moments to bow our heads. We're going to sing in a moment, okay? But before we do, let's bow our heads together. And... Um, or, or maybe you don't want to close your eyes. Maybe you want to get out a pen and a paper. Maybe you want to scribble some names down. But, but I just think in these moments, could we somehow take this time to say, God, who is it that you've brought into my life already who doesn't know you? Am I living with my arms open to them? And, and if it's difficult to identify people, maybe you say, God, okay, bring some people into my life who are not yet followers of Jesus. And when you do, I'm going to promise you this, I'm going to open my arms to these people. And I'm going to say, come on, let's, let's spend some time together. Let me get to know you. Come for coffee. Come for lunch. Come for a faith conversation. And it may be And it may be at some point you say, come to my church. So would you just kind of take a few minutes to pray, to think, to write down a name or two, to let God speak to you in these moments. And in a moment we'll sing together.
you love. Help me to see others the way that you see others. And give me open arms and open mind and an open heart to show others who you are. As you go in his peace and his love today, we'll see you next week. Have a great week. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.